A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Fast Talk. Street Talk. Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid Talk. Hot Talk. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. It's the start of yes another week. Christmas is coming, you know, it's not that far away. A couple of weeks and uh, you'll be right smack bang in the middle of it. I actually heard somebody in the lift last week say they'd been to a Christmas lunch. And that was even still in November, for heaven's sake. Uh, but there's an awful lot going on today. We've got Keir Starmer unveiling some plans that Labour may or may not want to have. Uh, unfortunately, though, they're not his plans. They're Gordon Brown's plans. Gordon Brown, who hasn't been in government, uh, actually, for quite a long time. He was the Prime Minister once, but he wasn't an elected Prime Minister, you might remember. When they did have an election, he got kicked out. Uh, dragged kicking and screaming out of Downing Street. Never wanted to go. Well, now he wants to abolish the House of Lords, presumably because he's not in it yet. I don't know. Uh, John Rental's here to uh, guide us through and navigate the choppy waters of whatever Labour's policy is. Keir Starmer's been doing the rounds today, doing a press conference this morning as well. Amongst other things, he's talking about giving more powers to the devolved parliaments around the country. Um, and he's also talking about never letting Jeremy Corbyn back into the Labour Party uh, in the sense as a Labour MP. He says he sees no way that that could ever happen. A lot of people fed up with Gordon Brown because this is a guy uh, who, as I say, was kicked out of office quite some time ago uh, and is now seen being seen to be advising Keir Starmer, uh, a man who watched the World Cup last night uh, in the same company as Gordon Brown, who's not actually English, but was clapping along very politely. At least in Andy, who was supporting Great Britain, uh, didn't seem to know who was playing. Um, and a couple of other people uh, who didn't seem to know what was going on either. But let's not be too unkind to them, because, you know, let's face it, the Tories aren't doing great either, are they? Are they doing anything? They've saved the economy, apparently. I didn't know that. We're going to talk about Raheem Sterling as well because he's come home from the World Cup uh, because his house uh, was the victim of a burglary. And so I'm going to ask you about burglary because there's an awful lot of crimes not being solved. Burglary is not being solved at all in this country. So if you have been burgled, I'd love to know uh, what you experienced from the police who are not exactly doing their jobs very well either. 0344 499 1000. Peter Hitchens is here as well. He's got plenty to say about a whole bunch of stuff. And we'll be talking about the online safety bill as well with Alan Miller. Uh, and let's not forget Meghan and Harry, shall we? Um, they've put out their Netflix documentary. It's coming out, I believe, on Thursday. Uh, we've already seen a trailer for it. They've now put out, as part of the narrative, that they were hounded by photographers everywhere they went. And they've used a picture of why they were hounded by photographers and when they were hounded by photographers. Unfortunately, however, for them, it's not a picture of them being hounded by photographers. It's a picture of a Harry Potter film premiere, which they weren't at. Brilliant. So more lies from the Duke and Duchess of Netflix. We can look forward to that coming up soon. This is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. Let's get it on. And that's all before we start talking about strikes. The RMT rejected another payoff at the weekend, didn't bother putting it to their members. The NHS as well 
uh, in the midst of a real problem with strep A. A lot of children uh, getting strep A, quite a dangerous uh, infection. Many of them uh, so far succumbing, unfortunately, to it. Um, so far, I think seven children have been killed, have died of this strep A uh, ghastliness. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that story as well. John Renton is here, though. Very good morning to you, John. Good morning, Mike. Now, imagine if you were Sir Keir Starmer and you pledged to do a whole bunch of things uh, when you didn't have to. I mean, we were talking about this the other, t the other t day when you were in. So you didn't really have to do much, Starmer. He just has to kind of stand around and wait for the Tories to self-destruct. But he's yeah. now decided to go the other way and actually come up with some policy. Why has well, he done no, that? No, no, no this, is, this is what happens if you're a politician uh, and, you, uh, and you put things off by announcing you're going to have a, you're going to have a review yeah. or, or a commission. Mm. You, you appoint a commission, you appoint some grand old... Uh, figure who's respected in the Labour movement, yeah. such as Gordon Brown. Yeah, well, you can't to, find one, so you to, get Gordon Brown. <laughs> to chair it. <laughs> and then the problem is, two years later, Gordon Brown comes up, comes up with a load of stuff that would bog down a Labour government. Yeah interminably yeah uh, and you have to uh, you have to pre pretend to be very interested mm. in it and uh, so yes gordon it's definitely not on the shelf so and this is two years of gordon brown sort of chin stroking uh they probably have to be hurried into it really, <laughs> at the weekend as well so could you please come on and get it out there because you remember gordon brown famously fastidious about every single detail so probably it would never be ready well, it, it, no, it, it, the reason it would never be ready would, was because it was being negotiated between Gordon Brown and, yeah. the, uh, and Keir Starmer's office for, for months and mm. months, and they, they, they kept putting it off. Yes. Uh, but they finally decided they, they might as well announce this thing. Uh. Um, but there's a huge um, argument behind the scenes, because I think Gordon Brown's a bit, um, a bit miffed that this is, this is going to gather, gather dust on a shelf, mm. uh, which is uh, because I think Keir Starmer thinks it's a, a second-term priority. Yeah, I mean, getting rid of the House of Lords is all very well, but plenty of Well, it's also it's existing Labour policy. I mean, I mean th that, like... that was the policy they fought the last, well, I mean, the Tony, last few elections. Tony anyway. Blair also uh, uh, abolished uh, life peers, or said he was going to. But no, then no, didn't... hereditary peers. He, Sorry, he, hereditary did, peers. he did abolish almost all of them. And, well, no, he didn't. Made, he, it, made a well, huge... he, made, he abolished them apart from 99 of them for no, some bizarre reason, and 99 no, no, it was, a, it was a deal he did with them yes, yeah, in but, order but, to avoid bog, bogging down yes, the Labour government. Yes, but my point is, is that they in, said they would do something they didn't do it. No, no, the, he did do it. He did a huge reform. He got rid of almost all the hereditary peers. Um, and, but uh, why didn't you just get rid of all of them? Because he did a deal with them in order to avoid legislative right. so gridlock in, politics, in the House of John, Lords. But only in politics. As ordinary people listening to this conversation will admit, only in politics can you say you've done something you haven't done. He didn't abolish he hereditary did. peers. Abolished almost all of them is not the same as abolishing all of them, is it? Well, it's good enough. That's like saying I'm banning all petrol cars except for those ten over there, uh, and you can drive around happily for the rest of time. Yeah, and most people would accept that, you know, uh, not, nine tenths of a loaf is is, is better than uh, no loaf. At well, all. it may be better, but it's not what you said you would do. Yes, it is. Well, okay. Broadly right. speaking, well, nine, nine tenths of what you say you do okay. is, is, is not right. a bad, so if not I a bad result pounds, in politics. So if I borrow hundred pounds from you, give you ninety <laughs> back, you'll be happy with that, will you? <laughs> You know perfectly well that politics is the art of the possible. This is why Labour will never and, be in power, even and, now. Well, no, Labour was in power and Tony Blair was a very yeah. effective Prime Minister. And the reason he was but a very effective Prime only... Minister was because he did things that were possible instead of trying to do things that are impossible and that would bog down right. the government for, and before for, Tony for years Blair, on end. The last Labour Prime Minister was that was elected? Harold Wilson. Yeah, so quite a long time before that. Uh, Harold it, Wilson, who said you only that England only wins the World Cup under a Labour government. Yes, and, uh, so he, far he's been proved I wonder right. If, I wonder if he's going to be proved right this time. <laughs> well, you do wonder. They're playing France, which could become quite difficult. 
Also, um, the big story that's coming up at the weekend, uh, or came up at the weekend, the RMT sort of rather cleverly um, rejected another 8% pay offer, I think it was, um, during the World Cup match. So nobody would actually notice. <laughs> but unfortunately, we <laughs> noticed <laughs> when we woke up this morning. Yeah. But apparently there's going to be more talks. But he hasn't been very bullish about the union situation on either side, really. He's just basically... Um, Keir Starmer. Keir Starmer. He says he, he, well, no, he, goes, he retreats into that old formula about, you know, they should get round the table. Yeah. And actually, to, to be fair to Mark Harper, the new Transport Secretary, that's precisely what he has well, been doing. Well, they have been. He yeah. has been getting around the table. Yeah. He has been prepared to talk to Mick Lynch. Mm. Um, so far, it hasn't produced any, any And any Mick Lynch results, keeps but, rejecting the offer. Well, yes, but Mick, Mick Lynch has said um, encouraging things in the sense that you know, you do. You, he he says that there has been some movement. Uh, so you know, as well, long it's as another keep... one of those labour arguments, isn't it? There has been some movement, but not enough movement. Well, let's, let's see. I mean, I thought you just said nine tenths they... of a loaf is better than <laughs> ten tenths of a loaf, or better than nothing. <laughs> well, better than Mick nothing. Lynch obviously doesn't agree. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I, I, you know, Mick Lynch is a negotiator, and I suspect. Well, you would... could call him that. I've got another name, <laughs> which I won't use right now. Um, you know, he is all about just keeping on this, with the strike. You know, there was talk no, no, at the he's weekend a, he's a negotiator, of cancelling the strike for Christmas, right? And so far, he still hasn't. So people can't make... And the problem with the way the RMT operates is that they can't, if they do cancel it and say we've done the right thing, yeah. they'll do it so late in the day that people's plans will have already been ruined and they won't be able to do anything about it. I think that is, an abs that, that is a problem. Uh, you can't, But you can't uh, fault a trade unionist uh, for trying to maximise their leverage. No, you can't. But, I mean, I think that with, with all due respect to him and to you, there's a point at which you pass... Um, muster with the public, and I think if you've yeah. got the public's um, sentiment, which I think he did have at the beginning, I think he you still can does, do a yeah. lot. You can go a lot further with what you want to do. Absolutely, but I think he's lost most of that now. Well, that's that, that's the balancing act he's yeah. uh, he's he's treading, and uh, he's he's got to be very careful about mm. it. I mean, that's that's precisely why possibly yeah. uh, they they rejected the deal in the middle yes. in the middle of the football match. Yeah, well, pr precisely. So he's trying to be a bit clever there. Um, now we've got a clip that I want you to have a look at because uh, this is great fun. Um, are we ready with this? Let's have a look at this. I would, uh, I would give her the job today. I mean, <laughs> I have to say, Angela Rayner doing a DJ set, I think it was for some sort of charity in Manchester. With yeah, it was, Burnham. yeah. I mean, that's why people like Angela Rayner, isn't it? Because she's know, real. Despite the fact Absolutely. that she's blocked me on Twitter, I still quite like her. Has um, she? Yeah, she has. You shouldn't block people because that makes it look as if you care. Well, I also don't think that, you know, elected officials who are paid by me and other people right. who pay taxes should be blocking journalists. But no, no, no. Story. You should just, just mute them and then they never know. Well, see, that's what that David Lammy's done. Much clever. That's what David Lammy's done because he's a bit cleverer than her, obviously. But <laughs> the bottom line is is that people do identify with Angela Rayner, even if they don't particularly like her. Yeah. You know, she's a real sort of human being. I think if Starmer stood aside and gave her the job, they'd be elected tomorrow. 
Yeah, no, I thought I thought well, no, I don't know about that, but I thought there was a lot of nonsense on uh, on Twitter about how uh, how undignified it was for a politician. To I be, don't uh, think it is. I don't I, agree. I just didn't understand it. No. I thought I thought she looked like she was having a good time. She was. Uh, yeah. She looked like a normal person. Exactly. Um, and uh, absolutely. Uh, and I bet you'll tell you something. I bet everybody who was in that venue watching it will will vote for her as a result of that because they'll go, well, she's one of us. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with being one of us, is there? Absolutely not. Well, so they're all one from Manchester. They're all Manchester anyway, so they're probably well, all Labour voters. Yeah, anyway. they all stick together. Andy <laughs> Burnham was there as well. I'm glad we didn't have any video of his set. Incredibly <laughs> turgid. He'd be wearing another one of those sweaters from the 70s. <laughs> well, I remember um, he, he used to. He <laughs> used to order, as Aaron just said. He used to yeah. be. A, he used to be a fan of the Smiths. And, uh, yeah, heaven help us. Yeah. Well, you can't be any more though, can you? No, because he's not. Now, now everybody's now everybody hates uh, what's his face? Morrissey. He, yeah, Morrissey's he's gone all right wing. He has, yes. So yes. Uh, well, there you and, go. But but Andy Burnham. Last time I saw Andy Burnham, he said uh, he said he said the Smiths weren't as good as I thought they were. Which well, I thought I mean, was, was not the first time he's made was a heresy, heresy from a from a Mancunian. No, no, you can do it now because Morrissey is oh, okay. universally detested by the left, so <laughs> that's okay. Um, but we'll talk about uh, Jeremy Corbyn coming up, and also uh, we've got to talk about Matt Hancock's diaries, which is another thing that uh, that Keir Starmer uh, had something to say about. Uh, we'll be taking your calls along uh, the way as well. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is Talk TV. I'm Mike Graham. Nationwide by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. John Rental is here from the Independent, of course. We're talking about Keir Starmer uh, and Gordon Brown's plan. And uh, he's kind of, as you've just rather well explained, uh, dropped himself right in it with this Gordon Brown plan because presumably there's bits of it he may not even like, but he has to sort of present it as though... He agrees well, with all of it. I mean, I do think there's a there's a fundamental problem with uh, with this idea of you know that, that, that what the British Constitution needs is more devolution. I mean, devolution has caused endless problems to the Labour Party. Yes. It's killed the Labour Party in Scotland. Uh, and so the idea that that what we need is is more of it, I just think is 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 for the birds. But I mean, everybody feels they have to yes. say it. Uh, Keir Starmer feels he has to sort of uh, uh, sort of nod to it. But mm. of course, you know, once he's in government, he's going to have he's going to have much more important things to do. Yeah. Than to, than to, than to tinker with the constitution, and he's presumably going to have to fight off uh, any attempt by the SNP to actually, um, you know, get another referendum on independence, which they're never going to give up on. Well, um, quite because it's a good fight for them to keep having, isn't it? But you know, the other problem um, for for Scotland and for and for Keir Starmer um, is that they've already given more powers to Scotland than well, they absolutely. use. You know, how they've got, how, how they've got tax do they raising, need? No, but they've got tax raising yes. powers now that yeah. they don't use. They could put a penny on income tax if they wanted to. Yeah. But they haven't. Well they do use it a bit at the at the, at the margins. Yeah. So the higher rate um, in Scotland is, is forty six percent instead of forty five percent. For this example. Is what I'm saying. I mean but that they, is but they could do that in every area. They could put a penny on here and a penny on there, yeah, you know, but they yeah. don't do it no, for absolutely. whatever reason. Let's talk about private schools as well, because he got himself in a right old muddle over that, didn't he? Well, he, he ended up saying how wonderful private schools are, <laughs> which, is, which is why he wants to tax them into the ground. Right. Um, it didn't. It didn't make a lot of sense. Um, I thought he was going to come a cropper on that one. Yeah. Uh, and, and he has, because he can't explain why he thinks... That, that people should pay more, right. uh, pay VAT on on, on yeah, school fees. He says he says it's it's not fair. Right, but you know, I mean, people who who who. Uh, but, who he, but he then can't explain why it's not fair. Well, but, well, because other things don't. Other things have VAT on them, right. but then actually anything to do with education doesn't have. No, VAT so university on fees it. don't have it, do they? No, and and sort of any any other colleges. But any, anybody can go to university. Well, that's in, what, in theory. Well, anybody um, can go to private school in theory. You know, <laughs> you just have to have enough money. Yeah, or, but at university you, you don't. That's no, the whole but, point. But, 
Well, you do now. I mean, no, you can't, no, you don't. You no, can't you, go to university unless you've got money. No, that's not true, Mike. As really? You, as you well know. And in well, fact, it is actually, under, because that's since, why so few since the loan, so, so few Since people, the loan scheme was, was brought in, um, a, a far greater proportion of Yes, uh, but uh, many, many more people go... Students yes, go to, go but to very, university. But, but it's a very small number compared to the middle class who go, in almost oh. in, in 100% in its entirety. No, but it's more than before. So, um, so you're not right to say you need money to go to university. Well, well you kind of do, because if you haven't got no, rich parents, you're less likely to go. It's as no, simple as that. It's the truth, isn't it? Yeah, you're more likely, it, to, you're more likely to go to, now than you were before. Yeah, but it's, so, well, that's so, a bit like so your not, argument about hereditary peers. No, you it's know. not. <laughs> Some more people are going, but anyway. by and large, it's still difficult to go to university if you haven't got parents who can afford to that's true of everything in life but actually you, you, you can go to university if you, if you don't when I went to university parents. and possibly when you did uh, then it was actually possible for anybody to go because all you had to do was qualify because it didn't cost you any money at all and you got a grant while you were there Whereas well, now you've got to borrow money and inevitably you've got to use your parents' money as well in order to subsist. That's not quite true. You, yeah, you can is. borrow money you know to subsist is. as well. But. Well, you can borrow as much money as you want, but in the end, that's not going to be good for you. But, you know, in, in, the problem for Starmer over the schools thing to me is that he um, basically kind of fundamentally wants to ban public schools, doesn't he? But he can't because he realises that's well, you, actually not yes. a, that's not a vote winner. But there to, are people in his in his um, party who yeah. think public schools should be abolished. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure that's right. And he he may even have said that himself in mm. the past. Uh, but he said all sorts of things in the past that uh, he, do, he doesn't say now. Uh, I mean, he was asked about he was asked about Europe. He, he was asked whether yeah. whether joining the single market would make us better mm. off, and he said no. Right. I couldn't I couldn't believe my ears. <laughs> I mean, he then I mean he then realised that that actually that was a that was a slightly embarrassing answer, and he tried to sort right. of backtrack on He's it and, and try to explain in an one on one interview situation. You would have thought he'd have he'd have better prepared answers to these rather mm. obvious questions. Yeah. Uh, than he does. But he doesn't strike me, and we've seen this in PMQs as well, he doesn't seem to be particularly quick at being able to change and manoeuvre his position, which for a politician, particularly a leading politician, somebody who leads the party, is pretty awful. Well, and but but what's more uh, worrying about it is that it suggests he doesn't know what he thinks. Because, I mean, someone like Angela Rayner, for example... Uh, is never lost for words because she knows what she thinks, right. and she, you know, she knows what her view is on things. And sometimes it leads her into trouble because yes. she says she says things which she are not, says things are not, off the cuff are not politically convenient. But he's far too careful. Um, yes. never say, never says anything. Politically and I don't think it's necessarily that he doesn't know what he thinks. I think that he doesn't want other people to know what he thinks <laughs> because what he really thinks actually is probably unpalatable to most Labour voters. Well, except that he would, as you say, he would like to abolish private schools, really. Uh, and he would like to, to go back no, into the European Union, No, really. I don't think he would. I think he'd probably like to send his own kids to private school, but he hasn't because he knows that would be a bad idea. But I think he actually would rather like to keep private schools, but he, he thinks he, the he party... He can't say so. He thinks the party would like him to abolish them. So right. that's why he's found this ridiculous middle ground, which has got him absolutely nowhere and yeah. stuck in no man's land. Same with uh, Jeremy Corbyn. You know, well, although he did manage to say today, he doesn't think he could see any circumstance under which Corbyn could stand as a Labour MP. That sounds fine to me. Well, but, I, well, yeah, but why can't he kick him out of the party then? Uh, because it's too much trouble. I mean, you know, if he's not going to if he's not going to be a Labour MP after the next election, then it doesn't matter how you achieve it. You just 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 ignore him. Well, surely I if mean, he can't stand as a Labour MP, he shouldn't be in the Labour Party. 
He is, well, he, is, he, he, isn't, he isn't a Labour MP. No, but, I mean, but he's, he's in, in the Labour Party. Yeah, I know. It's well, ridiculous. why can't he kick him out? But nobody cares. Well, I do. Uh, I well, care. Yeah, but you're, 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 you're a troublemaker, aren't you? I am not <laughs> a troublemaker. That's an outrage. <laughs> Absolute rubbish. I think he's in much more trouble where he has departed a millimetre from... Uh, from Tony Blair's line, which mm. which which is to to go for for people who send their children to private schools. Yes, absolutely right. And I've got this to point out to you from uh, Howard Cox, who says, uh, "Don't forget, Gordon Brown told us to move to diesel to save the planet. Made it the most popular vehicle fuel that gave rise to higher prices and taxes, and then it became the pariah that the eco zealots want abolished." Well, that is true as well. <laughs> well, that, no, but that was every, everybody thought that diesel was greener uh, until but until, who they, told them? until they realised it wasn't. Yeah, but who told them it was greener? I think it was a. I think that was the scientific consensus. Briefly. Oh, oh right. So the scientists told us, yeah. and then they got it wrong. Then they got it wrong. Yeah. That's funny. Then, that, they, isn't then it? they then they had to reverse. How extraordinary! Um, I'm being asked as well to ask you what you can tell us about the SNP and why Ian Blackford actually finally stepped down. I mean, I think we all know that he had reached a kind of. Um, uh, at the end of the road, really, with with some of his colleagues in yeah. Westminster, they didn't like his defence of the guy who was accused of things that uh, turned out later to be true, yeah. etc. Is that et cetera. Well, is think, it as simple as that? I think it is, and I think it's as simple as as as, as the explanation that you know student politics is is so vicious because the stakes are so small. Yeah. Um, you know, the SNP at Westminster is a pointless institution because mm. I mean they're all in in a parliament that they they don't they, they don't, don't want to be in. They don't think they should be in. Right. So, you know, what is the point of them apart from sitting around plotting against each other mm. um, and manoeuvring? And that's, and that's precisely what they've, what they've done. Yes, exactly right. Uh, how about this from somebody who says, uh, Sue in Cheltenham, most things I agree with you, Mike, but the having money in university, I don't. I'm a single parent and cannot afford to subsidise my son at all. He's in his third year at uni, has two part-time jobs and is completely financially independent from me. Well, that's good. Right, so, absolutely. So, so he's good working. So he's working his he's, way through university, <coughs> as indeed I did. Yes, I, I mean, you know, obviously, obviously, I'm, you know, I'm in favour of of more more uh, maintenance grants for uh, for people who don't have rich parents. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my point stands that you know you can no, go. Listen, to, you, I'm if, sure if, there are if plenty you qualify, of people. You can go to I'm sure there are plenty of people. Of there are plenty of people like Sue um, who have got kids who are financially independent, and there are plenty of people uh, who are not like Sue. Yeah. You know, one point does not disprove the other. The point is, is that you're more likely to go to university if you've got wealthier parents, sure. because it's less of a, a hardship for you and less of a hardship for them. Yeah, but I all, I, all I'm all I'm saying, Mike, is that is that the people argued against the loan scheme, yeah. saying that it would it would prevent working class people going to going to university. Yeah. And it hasn't. It's had the opposite effect. Mm. Uh, and, and now there's and just more people. So now there's just more people with useless degrees. That's not well, the story. That's a, that's completely that's different, a different story. Let's finish up with Matt Hancock. Um, he was back in Parliament last week uh, with his dyslexia bill. Yeah, he um, mentioned dyslexia. Yeah, he's making a fortune from this book he's written, despite his dyslexia. And um, uh, what next for Matt Hancock? Uh, well, it, it, he doesn't have a political future ahead. I don't, I don't think. Don't so. think. Um, I assume he wants to be. Uh, he wants to be on TV a lot. Um, I'm not sure the nation has has taken him to their to, to his heart. I don't think it has. Um, although you know, everybody says, "Oh, well, you know, actually they've 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 seen a sort of better side of him in the in." in I'm the not sure that's true. I, uh, yeah, no, I'm not sure it's true either. No. Um, I mean, there are a lot of sort of commentators who tend to be television commentators rather than political commentators who think he was quite popular. But yeah. I think in the context of a game show, that's one thing. Yeah. It doesn't mean he's popular. Like, you're not going to give him this morning to host, are you? I'm afraid I, I just don't understand I'm a celebrity. I mean, I watched. I had to watch it. I don't I had watch to it watch it, obviously, Never for, have. For, 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 for work purposes. Yeah. But, but, I mean, Ed Ball's on, on Strictly. I can understand. I mean, I can, under different. I can understand what Strictly Come yeah. Dancing is about mm. because that's a dancing competition. Yeah. Uh, and I thought Ed Balls on that was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. 
uh, and it did it did him no end of good. But, yeah, uh, but I'm because a celebrity. People thought just... he was boring, and now <laughs> yes. and now they quite like him. Yes, but they didn't hate him in the way that Hancock is hated by people. You know, which no. which hasn't changed. And and sliding around um, having water hoses squirted yeah. at you doesn't. I mean, why does it, why should that make you popular? No, I know. I know, unbelievable. Anyway, gentlemen, we're out of time, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, we found some common ground, as we always do. Uh, we'll be back. We've got more to talk about, including Harry and Meghan, the Duke and Duchess of Netflix. This is it Talk TV? Talk radio. Exhalation. Conversation. Confrontation. It's not all bad news. It's Talk Radio. The home of common sense. On your mobile, on your wavelengths, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We've got lots to talk about. Mark Saggers is here. We're going to get stuck into the World Cup and much else besides in a moment. But first, let me tell you about something that happened over the weekend, right? I decided that I had to uh, change my car over because it's that time of the year. It's three years has gone by. I lease my cars, as everybody probably knows. Anyway, I just thought I'd talk to my car insurance company. I'm not going to name them. Um, and I said, look, here's the thing. I need to keep the other car for a short period of time because it's got to be handed back to somebody else. It's, all, you know, one of those. It's all pretty straightforward stuff. And I said, I've got this other car. So they said, well, probably the best thing is to get a new uh, insurance deal for the new car and just keep the other car on as a kind of a secondary car. And we won't charge you for cancelling the policy because you're renewing another policy. I said, oh, that's very kind of you. You know, so we're not actually going to take any more money off me. So they went, went through a... Um, a process of uh, trying to get uh, insurance for this new car, which is more or less the same price as the other car. It's not particularly a better car, you know, it's just the same kind of area. You know, it's not a cheap car, but it's not ridiculous. Um, and they came up with a quote, the like of which almost had me, if I hadn't already been sitting down, I think it would have fallen down. It went from what I pay now, which is somewhere around about 12, 1300 a year, to 6,000. 6,000 quid! I said, are you joking? They said, oh, yeah, the, the, the underwriter doesn't like this uh, this car. I said, well, what do you mean, doesn't like it? So I thought, is this what I'm going to have to do? Is this, you know, is this, this is now the new world that I live in. And, of course, I said, well, leave it with me. I'll tell you what, I'll give, give me 24 hours, I'll come back to you. So I went on one of those compare-the-market-type sites mm. and got one for exactly the same price I'm paying now. So what I'm asking you is this. How is it possible that insurance companies that do the same job with the same vehicles to the same people can have such a wide variation. How can it go from about 1,200 quid over here to 6,000 pounds over there? I don't understand it. It's meant to be a regulated business. It seems ridiculous to me. I mean, if they don't want to insure it, shouldn't they just tell you? Because some people might be, unlike me, might just go, oh, OK, if that's the price then, I'll just pay it. It's unbelievable. Wow. Anyway, Mark Sages, I mean, what do you well, make well, of that? Well, it's the underwriter, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the other thing is, what do you say that your profession is? Uh, I, I, I tell the truth, obviously. Well, I mean, broadcaster or company director? Company director. Yeah. That's what I am. Yeah, because if you start going down the broadcaster route, they think that we're crashing to everybody all the time, and that, that ups it. So perhaps perhaps your underwriter's seen you on here and thinks, oh... Well, the other one hadn't, but so thanks for outing me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, Saggers comes in here, no, ruins no. my life. <clears throat> no, look, I'm, I hate cars. I've failed my test seven times. Did you? On one occasion, I hit another car on my reversing back round the corner on the test. and just got out of the car <laughs> and brilliant. had a fit. That's fantastic. And that was that, really. Yeah. Didn't didn't pass my test. I never liked the emergency stop. You know, where they slam the oh, thing on the, on the dashboard. You go, oh! I can't drive, shock. really. I'm not very good. I mean, I've, I've just got myself one of these little second-hand Fiat 500s A bit of road rage you'd get, wouldn't you? Would you oh, get a bit I've, of road rage? I don't anymore. I wave everyone through. But Do in you? the past, yeah. 
I, I remember on one occasion, <laughs> my daughter was about one and a half with Jane. We're in an old little old Rover and right. I was driving and a bloke open top Bentley, red, right. with his beautiful lady alongside Blonde. him and yeah. everything, cut us up <laughs> the traffic lights. Right. I'm window down. I'm really going at him. We then drive into some sort of shopping arcade. Right. He pulls up next to me, takes his watch off, does up his sleeves. He's going to whack me. Blimey. So, um, that's uh, not good. But that's, that's my, that's, that's my sort of life. No, well, yeah, absolutely I, I, right. I, well, I never was calm in those days. Well, I'm much calmer now. Well, thank goodness. Thank goodness for that. You weren't very calm the other night with Jeremy Carl. You're back with him tonight, I think, really. I can't wait. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. So what a game last night. Though. What a game. What a game. And what, um, you know, what it struck me was that they can learn now, this team, can't they? They can actually learn what they're doing while they're playing, which they never used to do. They can play. And what we're so good at is going forward. Mm. Let's forget about the nonsense of defending at the back. Yes, we've got to do that as well. Yeah. But don't hold on to what you've got. Yeah. Go further. We've got to play Jeopardy in the rest of this World Cup. Right. That's the only way we'll win it. Well, France will be a very, very different yeah, cup very, of tea, won't very. It? But you know, they've they've conceded goals in every game they've played. We have got some real talent going forward. Yeah. And for Jordan Henderson, who Stuart Pearce on Talk Sport, who've been obviously cover every single game. Mm. Um, was saying, you know, sometimes it's it's the it's the the ugly duckling, as he called him, mm. that nobody like don't really see the work that he did on that pitch yes. last night and the way he got himself into a position to score that. And that first was a great goal. goal that first yeah. goal, only his third for England. I mean, as good a goal I I would say that I've seen England score for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Who were they playing, by the way, last night? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there was a great moment last night. I was watching you and Kevin. <laughs> It's already been put into the bank for the um, the end of year party. Yeah. Um, where neither one of you could remember who England had played last. No. Before last night. No. But I was more worried that uh, there wasn't anybody in the booth giving you any information. You no. know, where the hell were they? No, well, we were just sort of open mouth, just sort of looking at each other. Because it can happen. I mean, it is <laughs> oh, all the thing. time. What doesn't happen normally, though, is that both of you don't know. No, I mean, that's quite unusual. I mean, that was pretty, pretty funny. It was. Um, if you haven't seen it, we well, might direct you to it later. <laughs> we might even play it out later. It's very good. Um, but can, anyway. I, can I, before I talk about yes. the football, talk about Harry and Meghan? Yes from a, a different point of view. I've, I've thought a, a, an awful lot about this um, and everything that's going on. And uh, Harry is uh, deeply disturbed mm. still. There is no doubt it is all to do, as far as I'm concerned, with losing his mother yeah. at, a, at a young age. Right. I, my mother was ill all the way through my teenage years and she died as well, mm. and uh, uh, young. Right. And my father remarried and... Uh, we and never was that got, hard for you? Yeah, we never got on with our stepmother. Right. Or anything, and but I think as well that he's he's protecting Meghan in the way that he wanted to protect his mum. I think there's a lot of that going on. It seems as though she's kind of become his substitute mother. There is almost, there, there's seemingly you know? a lot of that going, which is which is a sad and difficult thing. She's obviously uh, you know very powerful uh, PR around her, and he has escaped. Remember when you also escape from something, if you don't actually look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself the truth. You go along with what mm. other people are telling you. Yeah. And I, I think that some of these things they'll regret in the longer term. But, you know... When he talks about protecting his family, which I can understand on one, totally. on one level, however, his family's also here. Yeah. And what about them? Yeah. He's not but protecting he was, them. He was only ever, as he said, the spare. And then yeah, the, and I think he's being a bit disingenuous there. I mean, the Queen loved him. He had a great relationship with her, right? Yeah. He says he didn't have it with his father because of Camilla. Understandable. Yeah. 
but he had a really good relationship with, with William for quite a long time. Yeah. And that's all gone now. Yeah. And it's because of her. I, I think, uh, well, I think it is a lot to do with her, but he's gone along with it because I've, I really do feel he's going to play out now what others couldn't do to his mother, which was look after her. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where it ends. I think no, I suspect, I, I in suspect tears at that, some that stage. at some point he will w wake up one morning and go, blimey. Well, well, I, I, just, get I here? just hope whatever we, we, we'll, you know, I mean, I, I can't wait to watch it. Everybody says, oh, everyone's going to get fed up with this. Mm. Uh, we've got relations in Australia who can't sleep waiting for this not Netflix yeah. documentary. Have a word Austra with them. Have no, a word. no, no, but the whole of Australia are like that. That's what they're like. Sorry. Well, I'm not. No, I, well. I have trouble waking you're, up. You're not going <laughs> to. Everybody will watch it, even though they said, by the way. I don't think I'll get By the it. way, you have never, ever watched a game of football at home or with friends mm. and stood up and clapped at the television. What, you mean like Keir Starmer? Oh, I've never seen anything so pathetic in all and my what's life. what's he doing there with Gordon Brown, who's not English, right, pretending to enjoy it? He's a Wraith Rovers fan, Gordon Brown. We've got uh, old... Uh... Gordon Brown, when he was in power, along with um, Charlie, his uh, yeah. sidekick, they warned me off when I was working, saying that I was... Um, uh, not saying things that were were right about the government when it came to football. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. Well, he was a bit of a bully. Also, yeah, of course, Lisa Nandy wearing a great... I didn't take any notice. ...wearing a Great Britain shirt, neither should you. No. I mean, somebody called him called him here the old Nokia <laughs> chucker. Because, you know, he's famous for throwing phones at people. <laughs> anyway, listen, we're out of time. You have to come back and talk about the football. Oh, no, I, look, all, I, all I will say about the football is England were great. Keep it going. Yeah. Play that way against France. you got every chance. Don't think about defending. Jeopardy, put yourselves on the edge and carry on. There we are. The world according to Mark Saggers. It's a good one. Uh, this is Talk TV. Peter Hitchens coming next. Edgy talk, plain talk, unrivaled talk. Mike Graham. The only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate. The independent republic of Mike Graham. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We are well into now the, uh, I suppose you might call it the second week of December, although technically it's only the first week of December since last week it wasn't December when the week started. But, you know, I don't want to be pedantic about it. Peter Hitchens is here. Uh, we're going to be talking about a great many things, including uh, the cancel culture at Buckingham Palace, of course. You thought that story had gone away, but it hasn't. Uh, we'll talk a bit about Ukraine as well uh, and a new book that's come out. And also, of course, I'll be hearing more of your stories about burglary uh, because poor old Raheem Sterling had to come back from the World Cup in Qatar uh, because people thought he and his family were away, uh, which should tell you something about not posting too many pictures on Facebook when you're away in case when you come back you'll find that your house has been burgled and broken into and everything's been stolen. Also, we'll talk a bit about car insurance. Why on earth is it so expensive to go to one company over here uh, when you can go to another company over there for exactly the same service, which costs about a third as much. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's one of the most bizarre situations, I think, in any uh, consumer arena that I can think of. So if you can explain it to me, I'd be most grateful. 0344-499-1000. John from Chingford says, if Starmer throws out Corbyn from the Labour Party, Corbyn will split the Labour vote if he stands as an independent for London Mayor, then hopefully we'll get rid of Sadiq Khan. Well, that's quite a thought process, isn't it? I don't know about that. And Leslie in Cheshire says, Mike, hypocrite Starmer, he campaigned for Corbyn to be our next Prime Minister, knowing his history, and he now tries to distance himself from Corbyn. Well, that is a, a fact, I have to say. Peter Hitchens is here. Um, very nice to see you. How's Likewise. it going? Yeah, I was struck by something this morning. The coverage of the, um, of, of the, awful, uh, the awful raid on, the, on a footballer's home mm. when he was away. 
it seems to be all about football. Yes. It, it, to me, it seemed to be a horrible symptom of how dangerous this country is now for everybody. Yeah. Uh, the, an armed raid on somebody's home in, in, in Surrey is what's... Is yes, somewhere near Cobham. An armed raid yeah. on somebody's home in Surrey. And nobody uh, bats an eyelid, it's do just, it? It seems to be... It seems, that seems to be passed by as a, as a normal event like the weather, whereas yes. the effect on the football is, is huge. I am slightly baffled by this. We should be much more alarmed. Well, the reason the you're hearing pages of newspapers being torn is I'm looking for this particular story. It's during the mail today. 100 violent crimes a day yep. shelved by the police. Yeah, just so they just take no action on 100 violent yeah. crimes. And we knew this would happen when they started ignoring what they called... Uh, what, what do they call it? Um, minor crime. Yes, it's never minor crime if you're a victim. Well, burglary is never a minor crime. Burglary is never. Having been burglary a victim can, of it, completely it's awful. Burglary can kill people. Things, yeah. It can make them so unhappy that they die. And the but all, all the other things being mugged, uh, having your neighbourhoods full of, of full of shouting yobbos, they, they ruin lives. The police treat them for years as trivial. They do nothing about them. Mm. Now we move on. To things which even they admit are serious mm. being ignored. I think that's huge. And I, I, I just, do. We I have agree. to be the thing that struck very me, discontented about yeah. it. And I mean, you're right, because we've also become slightly kind of um, inured to it all, haven't we? We just kind of go, oh, well, another old raid. But the thing that really struck out, uh, stuck out for me in this piece is how many days off people have had in the police because of what they're calling a mental health crisis, counted for 571,000 days off work last year. Well, good heavens, yes. I, the, Half the, a million. Another whole new discussion, isn't it, about how we, uh, how, how we now treat um, what might once have been described as unhappiness or discontent or a bad day. I don't know um, how, it can, how you could possibly justify that level of absence myself, but I'll be told that I'm cruel and inconsiderate. Yes, of course you will, but, uh, but it is an epidemic, I'm afraid. Well, the thing uh, is, it doesn't, it, it, well genuine, in a way, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't matter what the cause is. If the police, if this is how the police treat these problems, then they need to be uh, better at organising themselves. Mm. Uh, the, the, the police at the moment, the, their, their most fundamental characteristic is absence. Yes. They're just not there, and an absent police force is right. as much use as an unarmed army. And very, very often the same argument can be made about the NHS, because we're told the NHS is short of staff, but one of the reasons it's short of staff is an awful lot of the staff aren't working because they're off sick. Yeah. You know, for one reason or another. Uh, there is, I think, there's a huge turn away, I think particularly among women with children, from what was supposed to be the great joy of going out to work. Mm. Having discovered during the Great Panic uh, that they weren't actually gaining all that much by mm. being at work, and the, the huge costs of childcare, which they were no longer paying, uh, compared with what they were actually making by going out, yes. going out to work. I wonder if there isn't a quiet revolution taking place, particularly among mm. women, uh, saying, actually... I'm not sure. Uh, is it worth all this? Is going out to work just so important when I could be raising Well, there's my own an awful children? lot of people. It should be a good thing, yeah. because it's better if women raise their own children, in my view, by a long way. Yes. But you'll be accused of being sexist. Well, I'm honestly. I mean, you're going for the no, full card. I, I, I don't mind. If, 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 if one parent is at home, I don't mind which sex yes. they are. I, I, I think it will, will generally be women, but it won't always be women, mm. but it, it's, 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 it's fine by me. I just think that children should be raised by yeah. their parents. No, I mean, there's no doubt there's, there's lots of people who are now, particularly young people, who are talking more about a work-life balance. They yeah. don't want to work as hard, perhaps, as we did. I rather like working hard. Yeah. I don't mind it. No, but but a lot of people don't like it. The thing is, a, lot, a lot of women who, who find a, a pressure like working hard, but they also like uh, being with their own children and that's that's reason why this has been for a long long time the the propaganda and the the moral pressure has been go out to work go mm. out to work go out to work and the whole idea that, that raising the next generation was actually a satisfying and, and valuable task has been shut to mm. one side well maybe 
Maybe it's coming I back. I can only hope maybe that will be reconsidered now. Yes. Funnily enough, John Rental was here a bit earlier. He was looking out the window and he spied another skyscraper being built. And I said, who's occupying these places? I mean, who would build an office block under these circumstances where we're told that people don't want to work in the city, well, nobody wants to work in an office? Well, who's, who's it's building the creation these of assets. It's, it's, it's a place to put your wealth rather, yeah. than, rather than banks or, or, or currency. Mm. And the, the, a lot of London is, of course, full of blocks of flats which nobody lives in. Foreign for investment. Reason. It's there to be invested in rather than to be used. Yes. And it, it is astonishing uh, the, the way in which the, the skyline of London has mm. been turned into a, a, a cheap rate Chicago in the past, yeah. what, 20, Here's another years. interesting story for you. Um, I walk past the Guy's Hospital every single day, yeah. uh, the cancer unit in particular, and for about the last six weeks they've been just putting up scaffolding. I mean, relentlessly. Every single day they've got more scaffolding. And I'm going, where are they, put, are they like, taking it up the top and then taking it down the other side? Turns out um, that they're removing the cladding from the cancer centre, which I can presume is a post-Grenfell so, scenario. Yes. There's an awful lot of that but stuff. An all, yeah, but I've never seen so much scaffolding in my life. They've erected a wall, they've painted the wall. I mean, this oh, is, will settle in for a long this time. is your have NHS you, at work. Have you noticed how much longer building work now takes mm. oh, yeah. than it ever used to take? And also how very, very often a you see a building run up new, and two or three years later it's got scaffolding on it yeah. again because it hasn't been built very well. Right. Starting, this is really, really common yeah. now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
But they're still putting the scaffolding up, so whatever the job is that they're about to do, they haven't even started the job yet. We used to say when I lived in <laughs> Moscow, the Hino, because it was always, <laughs> everything was covered in rather, often rather crude timber scaffolding. Mm. Will they ever finish it? Yeah. Will Moscow ever be finished? And the answer was, of course, no. Well, we used to no. say that about New York. No, no London. Will we used to say that about New York when I lived yeah. there. It would be a great city when it's finished. Yeah, but they were never. It's just you're always going to have to walk in the road and all the rest of it. Yes. Well, shall we talk about Lady Hussey? I think we should talk about Lady Hussey. What do you think it, about Well, I'm fascinated. That? There was an interview which, uh, which Miss Fulani uh, gave about Susan Hussey to Michelle Hussein on BBC Radio 4, in mm. which she said she was really concerned about doing the right thing and being kind. Yes, cool. And she also said that in her culture, she had great respect for elders. I have to ask in that case, and this seems to me to be a great unasked question, what purpose was served by making a public denunciation on social media? Was that either kind or mm. considerate to a, a, an older person? Now, a lot of people say, why should it matter whether she's old or not? And I say to them, well, ask Miss Filani that, because she herself has said that her culture, quite rightly, mm. uh, requires respect for, 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 for older people. And that would be so the culture why, of... why was this method chosen mm. and by whom? But also, which culture was she referring to? Was she referring to the Hackney culture? Oh, well, look, because I, that's where I'm, she's not from, going, right? I'm not going to, uh, to to get into that kind of thing. If she, whatever she she. she says her culture is, is is whatever it is as far as I can say. I don't I don't mind about that. Mm. People can choose their own lives and cultures and, and, and even names if they wish to. I mean, that's not that's not what bothers me. What bothers me is if she says that, if she believes what she says, then why did that happen? Mm. And I, I I think I'd be interested if somebody would would ask Ms. Filani that. Or maybe I think she's supposed to be having talks with the palace or something. I believe she's they meeting the ask, king. They might ask her that. I believe she's meeting the king. It's yeah, not well, just well, talks well, he to might the ask her that. Well, he knows her. We know there's that, there's that picture of her from mm. many years ago uh, when she first met, more than a quarter of a century ago. So he, he, he might ask her, but I, I really do think it should yeah. be asked because was this the way, even if... Uh, and the, the other problem about the story is I'm a great believer in the presumption of innocence. Mm. Of course, if it's just a, a, a row between people on the street or maybe in an office, uh, which doesn't lead to anything, maybe don't make too much of a fuss. But if someone's actually lost a job which they plainly valued after many, many years mm. of, of loyal service and indeed been publicly humiliated, then it seems to me you do need the presumption of innocence. And I've not heard uh, any serious attempt to give Susan House's side of the matter. No. Nobody's given her side, really. Uh, I saw a letter in the Telegraph on Friday morning, I believe it was, from somebody who was a friend of hers who knew her from the local church, who was speaking very well on her yeah. behalf, saying that, you know, she was a woman of some renown, that, that she did an awful lot of good things in her life. She's, I mean, her job basically was to talk to people yeah. who she didn't know. It seems extraordinary to me that she's been doing that for 60-odd years. Uh, or something, well, and, and, and apparently has never offended anybody until now. And so then suddenly it happens, yes, okay. And, but, uh, and so there's that. What it seems to me is that the speed with which she was uh, dispatched into outer darkness was not a sign. People said, oh, well, it's, it's, uh, the palace is obviously getting its act together. It's, mm. really, you know, it's, it's trying to make sure that its public relations works. Well, that's one way of looking at yeah. it. But it seems to me that the reason why she, she vanished so quickly is fear. Mm. Uh, the palace was, was was not prepared. No part of the, the, the royal apparatus was prepared to say, hang on a minute, let's examine this, we need to look into it, we're not going to take any decisions, because then they would have become the subject of mm. exactly the same storm yeah. which engulfed Susan Hussey. Right. And they know that they no longer have the power. I think the, the late Queen could have done that, 
because she still had an enormous standing. And she also had a very good way of dealing with these matters, didn't sure, she? Sure, but the thing is, that I, don't think, I don't think Charles has that power. He knew instantly that he didn't have the power mm. to defend her, even if she had a case. Yeah. I'm not saying she did. I'm not saying she didn't. I'm saying I don't know. Right. And I think if people suffer materially from a decision, then that decision should be taken by due process. Yes. And there hasn't been any. No. And it's a bit reminiscent, isn't it, of some of those kind of media companies who just get rid of people immediately and just go, oh, that's it. You've yes. got to go. You can't... Well, then, you the, 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 the point that people have been making over the weekend about Conor Burns, yeah. the MP who was, who was, who was accused of, of, of groping somebody mm. in the bar, an accusation which has now been completely dropped right. and has no, is said to have no value. He's still lost his job as a minister. Yeah. Absolutely. For what? And, he'll and he wasn't, he wasn't be... suspended or asked to know. There wasn't, there wasn't any hesitation immediately out and, mm. and would he ever get that back and you never remember the, the fact that he was um, completely utterly exonerated you only remember the fact that he left his office because of an, an allegation that is that is the problem I, there's so little due process in our society mm. at the moment we, we, we have we have no protection of the sort which in a free and just country yeah. you ought to have and I, I, I say I have no idea what happened and it literally was as your headline said cancelled by Twitter yeah wasn't it? I mean, because we talk about that a lot, but actually this was the prime well, the example. High court, the, the High Court of Twitter, the, yeah. the Supreme Court of the country. Mm. Do you find Twitter any different at the moment, given Elon Musk's uh, not, involvement? Not particularly for me, no. I don't. No, I find I, it just as hateful as it ever I was. I don't think it's... Um, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it doesn't seem to me to change in any material way, but I, I, let, let's, let's see what happens. Mm. Uh, I suppose one one could say it can only get better, but I, you might, I, I, I don't know, it could e easily that, get worse. What is, I was going to say, whenever I hear that, things, things can only get better, get, as they sang think, in 1997. I say, oh, my, yes. I, I say this to my kids all the time, well, it can't get any worse than it can, actually. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Penny Hitchens is here. We'll come back to, uh, to him with more. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. And lots and lots of you have got plenty to say about the burglary situation. Also, uh, a lot of you agreeing with Peter Hitchens on the whole front of Lady Susan Hussey. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about Ukraine, because it's another subject, Peter, that we visit from time to time. Yeah. There's a new book out, you were I saying. I try not to go on about it too much, though I do think it is the most important issue in front of us. Yes. Um, a guy called Ben Abelow has written this book called How the West brought war to Ukraine. Mm. A ch the title itself, shocking, it's very brief, yeah. very terse, actually a rather frightening book because the picture it paints of the, the real danger of possible nuclear conflict is, is more worrying than any I've previously seen. Mm. It's You can buy it or you can just get it on the, on, on the web. It's, yeah. it's, it's available as a text on the web. But I do recommend it to people who are, who, who've bought the current narrative because it mm. gives the long background of how this came about, including the very alarming developments in which the United States, this is the United States, the country which we look at as the, the exemplar of good behavior mm. in foreign policy, ripping up major treaties about nuclear weapons, the anti-ballistic missile treaty and the intermediate nuclear force treaties, which have, which have actually increased in a, in a rather r remarkable and alarming way uh, the dangers from missile deployment mm. in Europe, on top of all the other things. And the comparison that he makes uh, between the United States Monroe Doctrine, which pretty much says don't don't come near us, mm. Buster, or, or 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 we'll smash you to pieces, uh, anywhere in the in the American Hemisphere, and the behaviour of the Western nations towards Russia on the same balance. Mm. If I've said it so many times, but it d deserves saying again, if Canada or Mexico 
allowed into their territory uh, or proposed to allow into their territory, a, for instance, a, a, a Chinese-backed military alliance, what do you think the Americans would do? Mm. Well, they wouldn't stand by. They certainly by wouldn't do nothing. No. We've, we, you don't really need to, to theorize about this. You look at what happened well, the Cuba. Cuba. Oh, it say. just tells you, and yeah. it, that nearly led to, to, a, to a nuclear war. People should take this more seriously. I just asked, because the, think of three great foreign policy crises of my time, Suez in 56, mm. Vietnam throughout the 70s, uh, Iraq in, in, in the early part of the century, huge dissent, mm. uh, differing opinions all over the place. On Ukraine, absolutely nothing but a dead consensus. And if you, if you, as I know from personal experience, if you if you actually divert from that consensus and don't follow it, uh, almost nothing but yeah. defamation and, and and smears comes your way. We aren't having a debate about what may be the most dangerous mm. foreign policy issue of our century. And we ought to be having a debate. Mm. And I think that the Ben Abelow book would be a very useful starting point for a lot of people who've never really looked at it or considered yes. what's going on. I mean, it was on. interesting to me. very factual. It, does, it contains very little in the way of a polemic. Just says, this is what these people have said. And it's not quoting Kremlin spokesmen. Right. It's quoting leading American uh, politicians, military figures, and diplomats. And it's, it's, it's their testimony right. that, he, that, that he uses. And does it go back to the point which I was picked up on, which was where Angela Merkel was offering the sort of the hand of the European Union to Ukraine and trying to get Ukraine to join the EU, which I thought was already an, an overstepping of that. That actually doesn't feature, no. It's much more to do with the, with the, with the, with the expansion of NATO right. and the, 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 the gradual conformation of NATO, right. of, of Ukraine, to, to, uh, in, into NATO as a, as a military uh, nation. But yeah. it, that, that particular, it's, it's, it's very brief. Mm. It doesn't take long to read. But if you don't, if, 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 you, if, if you've simply uh, accepted the, the standard narrative of what's going on there, I think any intelligent person mm. reading it would at least be given some disquiet and some, some food for thought about and it whether also, we're doing the right thing. Yeah, and it will That's also, all I ask, honestly, well, yeah. is that we have a debate about it. And also, you sort of need to have the debate before you can have any kind of conversation about how it ends, can't well, you? You want to. You? Can any, anybody can look up now. It's on YouTube, I think. Nye Bevan's amazing speech in Trafalgar Square attacking the, 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 the Suez episode. Mm. A major opposition politician. Huge crowds listening. Mm. And the leader of the opposition went on the radio opposing it. Vietnam um, endless. I remember it. I was. Yeah. I, I lived through it. Everybody shouting at each other, one side or the other. Was this right? Was it wrong? Right. Iraq, huge, Iraq dem yeah. huge demonstrations on this total conformity. Nobody mm. with any opinion but, but one. And yeah. I, just, I just think this has to be wrong in a free country. And is that not where we are now, though? On almost everything, you know, we're now only now questioning the COVID narrative because people like Matt Hancock and suddenly wants to write a book That's about fantastic, it. Fantastic, isn't you it? Know, I mean, you kind of go, sorry. Did you see the wonderful passage in the in, in the Mail on Sunday serialization yesterday, in which? gets a phone call early one morning in August, what, 2020? 2020, I think, wasn't it? I think, I, yeah, saying, do you know, I wonder if we've, done it, if we've got all this wrong, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't be laughing, He was really. perfectly, and the thing is that, that Johnson's perfectly right. They had got it all wrong. Mm. But he carried on going on and on about Hancock for, for hours and got nowhere. But the, the, the point that Hancock says at the end is, how could it possibly be that we got everything absolutely wrong? Yeah. Well, and they're, they're so modest, aren't they? Right, aren't they they're just, so, he's just so self-effacing. He never saw anything coming. He wasn't he wasn't uh, gifted with with the with the gift of prophecy or anything. He was he was just a man overwhelmed by events. He's so yeah. you, you you never realise from it that he. What a wonderful man he was. No, and then Chris Whitty last week coming out and saying that there were now some excess deaths which could be put down to the actual lockdown. Yes, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Amazing.
Yep. Uh, uh, there we are. But we went over all that ground very, very thoroughly with uh, with, with spades and shovels and yeah. hoes and rakes. Didn't well, there we? was one, I seem to remember, Neil O'Brien MP, who was collecting a list of names of the recidivists and name, the names of people who were not in agreement with the government. I was on his little list. And I'm not sure why he had that list, and I'm not sure what he did with that list. Well, it's extraordinary, wasn't it, the government actually collecting, yeah. collecting a list. And he was Matt Hancock's centers. house elf, as he was known. Yeah, he was all, He was a senior official in the Conservative so, Party. Yeah, but, 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 but he was... Really quite spooky. But I he thought. was doing Matt Hancock's bidding. I mean, I haven't read the diaries, I'm not sure I will, but I don't know whether, Han whether Hancock gives him a mention. I have missed it if so. Doing his dirty it's work good, It's him. well worth remembering that episode mm. because it was, I thought this is going too far. Yes. Speaking of which, should we finish with the museums and what we're yeah, doing? Yeah, I, 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 you saw the Welcome Trust close the yeah. museum last week because it was in some way incorrect. And I, I went to visit a very favourite museum of mine, the, the once wonderful Pitt Rivers Museum in, in Oxford. Mm. Actually, the subject of a poem by the great James Fenton, which he said it's the place where myths go when they die. Right. It's full of things like uh, like, like the, the earth from the grave of a man eaten by a tiger and some witch's well. hair. Uh, <laughs> and it also used to contain a display of shrunken heads, right. which gave you the willies. Absolutely I did. Bet. I remember as a, as, a, as a boy going to see them, but my goodness, they made you think. Yeah. Uh, they've now been removed on the grounds of being incorrect. It also contains... But when they say incorrect, what do well, they mean? I mean I, that's the word I use. They have. If you go there now, it's full of great posters and displays saying how wrong it all was that these yeah. things were ever displayed. It was, but people say it was racist and imperialist, but what it also contained was a spring gun. You know what a spring gun is? No. It's a device with a tripwire set to, to blow buckshot into poachers who oh, wander yeah. into people's woodlands. It was from Oxfordshire in the okay. 19th century. Wow. And they had this, it's still there, and they, they had right beside it, when I first visited, a notice saying, warning, spring guns and man traps. Yeah. Here. It chilled the blood. Yeah, absolutely. And they've now separated for some mad reason, I don't understand, the notice from the gun. And you don't get the impact at all. Mm. But it wasn't, it wasn't some kind of racist colonial enterprise. It was just a very, very interesting rather spooky, uncanny museum in which you would not want to be locked overnight. No. You'd, you'd give you the no, it would huge, give you creeps. Th I love places like huge that. Huge 60-foot totem pole dominates yeah. the, the exhibit. Everybody should go and see it even now before mm. they make it any worse. Amazing. Well, Peter, great to see you as Likewise. ever. A very eclectic mix of stuff there. It's um, the best thing. We will do more of that, of course, same time next week on Monday. Uh, coming up next, though, uh, we've got other stuff to do. We'll be speaking to more, many more of you, 0344 499 1000. And also, Martin Green, a professor uh, who's the CEO of Care England, he's going to tell us why the latest ruse by Sadiq Khan to make even more money uh, off motorists is actually going to hurt the caring community. This is Talk TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Coming up, uh, we'll be talking about a great many things, of course, uh, including the online um, care bill, the online uh, harms bill, I should say, uh, because Alan Miller's going to be joining us. Uh, he's got plenty to say about that. Uh, also coming up, we're going to be having the strike calendar because we've got a new advent calendar which marks every single day that there's a strike, which means there's one every single day from now until Christmas, which seems a bit harsh, doesn't it? And Jeremy Carl's coming up a little bit later on as well. But right now, though, let's talk to uh, Professor Martin Green. He's the CEO of Care England because last week we made a lot of the story that Sadiq Khan, the Mayor of London, uh, has decided to explain expand the ULES zone, that's the uh, ultra-low emission zone, to as far afield as places like Orpington in Kent, out to Dartford, uh, over there uh, in, in the north part of Kent, and the Dartford crossing, which crosses over into Essex, up to Hertfordshire as well, uh, and out west too, long and far away from the original bounds 
of the part of London which you would call central, to be fair. Uh, but what we want to ask about uh, Martin Green for uh, is because he's concerned, obviously, about people who are carers, people who need their cars to get from point A to point B to care for people, often on the outskirts of London, often nowhere near the centre of London, nowhere near a congestion zone, nowhere near where they should have to pay. £12.50 for the privilege of driving their car. But unfortunately, now that is what they're going to have to do. Um, Professor Martin, welcome to the show. Good morning to you. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hi, how are you? Yeah, very well indeed. Thanks for joining us. I mean, there's an awful lot of opposition to this particular plan, and, and I'm talking to an awful lot of politicians, and uh, both local uh, London Assembly politicians and also MPs, about whether this can be stopped, because it seems to me to be taxing the wrong people, really, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. And I don't think the mayor realises that a lot of people who need to use their car because they're in professions where you have to, for example, go from one person's home to another to deliver care or support, they're going to be adversely affected. And of course, they're not the sort of people who are paid at levels that they can buy mm. new cars that meet the new emission zone. There seems to be no understanding of any of that by the mayor. And some of the things that he's glibly said, such as, well, they can use the scrappage scheme to buy a bus pass, or indeed that he's going to improve cycling in London. What he doesn't seem to realise is some of these people would be cycling 30 miles in the middle of the night. Mm. We've already seen the way in which bus services are now getting more and more fragmented. So often, in order to reach outer London, you've got to change buses. And if you're lucky enough to be able to find one bus that's on time, you might not get the connection. Uh, he does also seem to understand that a lot of people in care are women. And if they have to use public transport, they might then endanger themselves having to walk from public transport to their home in the middle of the night or very early in the morning. So it seems to me that none of these policies have been thought through or indeed there's been no impact assessment on how this is going to affect the most vulnerable people who are caring and supporting others in our community. Yes. And the other thing that's come up time and time again whenever I discuss this possibility is that, you know, the enforcement of it might also be problematic for some people because, you know, not everybody's got access to a computer. Not everybody uh, is able to pay in advance or buy a, a, a season ticket or whatever it is they're going to be doing, however they're going to be making you pay. And some people might fall foul of it as well because they sort of drive into it inadvertently you know, for a short period of time uh, without realising, you know. So there's all manner of sort of trap doors, if you like, that people can fall through. Yeah, that's exactly right. And what the mayor doesn't seem to realise is that not everybody can deal with the cash flow issues of, for example, having to pay up front. Mm. And then if they do get the money back from their employer, it might not come until the end of the month or it might come in different time frames. Yeah. And People who are on low incomes, they haven't got the capacity to bridge these gaps because every single penny counts. Mm. And obviously the mayor talks about uh, trying to support the most vulnerable, but there's no read across to his transport policy. I mean, I think the bottom line is this is about the fact that the mayor needs more money and he's just trying to find it any way he possibly can. Yeah. And it's not about air pollution. It's about income generation. Well, clearly, it's about propping up the the organisation known as the TFL, which, as anybody can tell you, is an incredibly top-heavy organisation with loads of people working in there, not doing very much of anything, and getting paid six-figure salaries. 
Well, the other thing that's happened is we've seen some really challenging ways in which the cycle lanes have stopped, for example, cars turning left and right. And so often cars are having to go much longer distances. That has an impact on the environment. And also, of course, it has an impact if you're having to buy fuel because if you're a care worker and you can't drive the car in the most efficient way to where you're going, you've then got extra miles to do. Uh, and the mayor seems completely incapable of understanding these things. Of course, it's not only care workers who are essential workers who are on low incomes. If you think about all those people who are supporting us all, having to work in the middle of the mm-hmm. night so that we could get up, so not in the direction of trying to support them. I mean, for example, if the mayor had said, right, I'm going to provide a fleet of electric cars that people can access at a cheap price, mm. or if the scrappage scheme had been giving people an electric car, particularly if they were a, an essential worker, that would have been one way in which he could make good on his commitment to the most vulnerable. But at the moment, all he seems to want to do is to make yeah. life more difficult and more expensive for people who can't afford that. Well, I mean, above all, he should realise that we now live in a sort of 24-7 economy, don't we? People work all sorts of different hours. As you say, women in particular, we maybe even working as nurses uh, who need a car to get home, who can't rely on a night bus. I mean, night buses, generally speaking, in centre of London, are an absolute horror show, uh, full of drunks and all sorts of nasty people. And I don't even know if there are not such things as night buses in the outer regions and the outer parts of, of, uh, of, sort of south and east London. No, I think that's right, Mike. And I think one of the problems is that he's pushing these um, zones as far out as he can go, but he's not having an integrated approach to transport. So if, for example, you might live 25 miles from the hospital that you're working, your shift finishes at, I don't know, four or five in the morning, you then got to get a bus and then you've got to change buses. So if you're going out perhaps to Kent, you might have to change buses somewhere like Woolwich. Mm. Well, are there buses where you're going? So I do think there is a real problem. And what we'll start to see is people who are working in central London services not doing that anymore and trying to get jobs nearer to where they live. And that will have a big impact on London, central London's economy. Yes. So are you able to to do anything about it, Martin? Are you um, putting together any kind of sort of campaign of of sorts that we could uh, endorse? Yeah, I mean, we we are campaigning against this, Mike. And what we've done is contacted the mayor's office. We've told them we don't think this is going to be at all helpful. We've made it clear some of the impacts. And so we'll continue to do that. I mean, the response from the mayor's office has been to talk about bus passes and cycling and really to ignore the problem. And I do think that there needs to be some concerted action. And certainly as well, we would be happy to engage with other essential workers who will also find themselves in this same problem um, to make sure that they uh, are protected because also that is about protecting us all mm. it's about most vulnerable who need our support absolutely right where can people find you uh, professor martin if, if they need to get in touch uh, just go on to our website which is www.careengland.org.uk okay. and then see how to access us from there Tremendous. Great to talk to you. Professor Martin Green, CEO of Care of In Care for England. Uh, that's a very important campaign, by the way, because there'll be an awful lot of people. We've spoken to many of you already. Uh, people who are, you know, sole traders, people who drive vans for a living, people who are plumbers, people who are builders, people who need a vehicle, who can't get around on the bus, who can't get around on a bicycle uh, because they actually have a job to do, which involves them taking quite a few tools with them in order to do the job. 
I mean, it's ludicrous for this mayor uh, to think that he can just keep squeezing money out of people and forcing them out of their cars onto public transport or onto some kind of bicycle. Just not practical, I'm afraid, at all. 0344 499 1000. The traffic now in the, the capital city is so ridiculous. It took me about the same time to go three miles inside London last night, Sunday evening, late afternoon, sort of five, six o'clock. Same time as it did to drive up about 45 miles from Sussex. Incredible. Absolutely amazing. This is Talk TV. Fighting the good fight with all his might, providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid talk. Hot talk. The independent republic of Mike Graham. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and talk TV. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. The skies have cleared a little bit. Uh, it's still very cold out there. It definitely felt incredibly cold on Sunday. I was down at the beach with the dog, uh, Ziggy, of course, and uh, it felt like it was about minus 10. It was that windy and that wind chilly. You know that way it gets? But the wind was blowing very, very fast off the sea and it was absolutely freezing. He, of course, was quite happy to go into the water. God knows why. Uh, coming up a little bit later on in the hour, Jeremy Kyle's going to be joining us. Uh, we've got a little surprise for him. We're going to play him a little clip uh, of a certain Mr Kevin O'Sullivan and Mark Saggers last night from Kevin's show. Very amusing indeed. Uh, I've got this as well from Martin, who says, uh, it really annoys me when the NHS want even more money. They should stop wasting money, reminding me I can have yet another pointless COVID vaccination, sending texts and posts. But I keep getting texts as well. I got five last week asking me to go and get my latest booster. Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I don't think I'll bother. Alan Miller's coming up. He's the co-founder, of course, of the Together Declaration. We're talking to him because today, later on in Parliament, the online safety bill returns after a five-month delay. Um, Alan's got some reservations, of course, about that. An awful lot of people have caused an awful lot of conversations about this because it's all about supposedly safeguarding people. It's all about, you know, illegal and non-illegal forms of um, exchange, whether or not you can harm somebody with something which isn't actually illegal. It's all a very complicated mess, it seems to me, and nobody can quite agree on precisely what should happen, can they? 0344 499 1000. We'll take more of your calls, of course, as well, uh, about the burglary situation. It's an extraordinary call from our friend up in Scotland there, uh, who said that he'd managed to kill two burglars in Chicago, Illinois, in the United States a few years ago, and uh, nothing happened to him. Uh, he got put in Cook County Jail for a night and then they let him go. Because in America, you can actually shoot people uh, and get away with it. Some people think that's wrong. I think if somebody's in your house and you're getting burgled, I think you've got every right to do it. But you can't do it in this country because if you do, you'll end up in prison. And that, for some people, I think is wrong. Uh, here's one from John the Red Squirrel in Braintree. It's a fantastic show. You always make my day. Thanks for the heads up about the coffin factory staff going on strike. I will do my best not to expire before the 11th of December. <laughs> Very sensible. Um, who knew that you could even go on strike? Who knew there was only one coffin factory? I mean, this radio show uh, and TV show really is a font of all knowledge. Let's talk to Alan Miller uh, see how he's doing today. Alan, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. Thanks for having me. Not at all. Thanks for joining us. What's actually going to happen this afternoon in Parliament? They're going to debate the, uh, the next stage, I guess, of the, uh, uh, of the online safety bill. But for a lot of people, they hear about this, but they don't really understand the, sort of the machinations of it. So, so tell us what's going to happen. So, um, well, there's, it's been going back and forth for some time. A lot of people submitted uh, responses to it. We did. We had Francis Hoare, who's a barrister, write on it. Mm. Um, the idea that you can have um, legal but harmful language uh, that would be taken down on the basis that it was legal to speak, but it could harm people in some way, 
was, in our opinion, very, very draconian, very wrong, very subjective. That now is looking like it's that's coming out in that context. However, um, there is still it's now the, what the government's doing, as it often does, is it's reverting back to the terms and conditions. It's allowing big tech to use their own terms and conditions, which are also linked to some other items. So where the interpretation is that something could be uh, malicious, it's still open to subjective interpretation. And we've just seen what's happened with Twitter and the Twitter files, where decisions are being made uh, on a subjective basis about what kind of things to allow and not allow. And as soon as you do things like this, and you, uh, you find or you encourage big tech and the big tech and the state kind of get intertwined in terms of policing our language and what we can and can't mm. say, we're in for a terrible time. Now, people have got concerns about young people and you know anyone who's got kids or people who don't have kids there are significant concerns the question for all of us is though and it's a bit like the lockdowns question where there are concerns for some people do we then uh make impositions and punish the whole of society or do we try and work out sensible solutions now the thing is we should say mike there are already laws and rules sufficiently uh, in society Right. So this is one of those moments where you have a situation where the government uh, and also under pressure from the opposition, because some in Labour say they don't like the idea of free speech. It's very dangerous. You notice these conversations all come around. The word safety is used all yes. the time. They think the public needs to be kept safe because we're actually dim. We can't exercise decent judgment. Who knows? We might end up going and vote for something that they don't like. Um, the whole idea is that somehow the patricians, the technocrats, whether it's the government or the opposition, they should be really the decision makers, the smart ones, the bright ones. Whereas we, the great unwashed, we shouldn't really be able to look at these things because we can't discern them properly. And actually, we may end up, you know, going crazy. They think many of us are rabid. We know that the discussions in the last couple of weeks paints Britain as though we're all like terrible. We all have very prejudiced ideas when actually... Britain is very uh, welcoming and very integrated and is in many ways, you know, a great shining example of, of, of many good things. Yes. So I think one of the, the thing is that the the, the impulse to regulate is very problematic. We, we see the flip side of this, Mike, mm. with what's just happened with the government saying that they're going to have a free speech bill in universities and then rolling back on it and not actually doing it because... It seems now that the technocrats, and, that, and that's not just the government, it's also the opposition, it's everyone. It's people that for the last couple of decades have just been able to, um, you know, have technocratic solutions, not have the public engaged, and certainly are not comfortable with robust debate, mm. with criticism, with being mocked. Um, seems that they don't um, actually have a sense of the principle of free speech. And that's why it's together... Uh, the Together Association, the Together Declaration, we're really keen on the public getting involved and making their MPs hear about this uh, and the government. Mm. And we've had campaigns around it to push back. It's been partially successful, but there's a real concern that this bill will still become a census charter, and that's a real problem. Well, the problem as well is that whenever we've seen the police being given, shall we say, discretion uh, on certain situations, whether people have been offensive or not, or whether they should be arrested or not. You know, they've always got it wrong, haven't they? Every single time they go and arrest somebody for some uh, infractione that they perceive to be the case on Twitter, they've almost always had to apologise to the person uh, and, and, and reverse whatever action they took. 
it's very worrying that um you see the thing is mike that every people have different tastes and that's fine right and and but we don't have a right not to be offended in society mm. and it might be that something is really reprehensible uh, and there are many things i find really distasteful and disgusting but you know we fought uh, through many generations and we stand on the shoulders of people who fought for the principle of tolerance and freedom of speech and that means that we have to be offended at times because it's so important because without it we're not free and you know we should remind ourselves that some of the most outrageous and offensive ideas at the time they came out like universal suffrage that women should have the vote people of color should have the vote those things were contested and and they were very uh for some people they were very offensive right you have the point is often you have to offend people in order to get positive change but sometimes people just gratuitously offend people and no one particularly likes it but you see it's gone so far mike as you say that in every area in education in comedy uh in broadcasting actually at the palace everywhere you see um what you can say speech codes behavioral codes you know there's a limiting suffocating impulse that rather than saying let's have this discussion out mm. where do we all stand on it what's the problem if what is the pro what are the problems in britain who are responsible how do we solve them together yeah. that's the way that you really get to grips with things and actually in order for that to happen we need to hear all the different ideas out there and shine the light of reason on them. That's mm. the antiseptic, not having restrictions, controls and regulations. Yeah, That's what but also uh, the yeah. problem with all of this, Alan, is it's very difficult to define, you know, because what might offend one person might not offend somebody else and what might be harmful to some person might not be. I mean, I was watching um, last night, I was having a look at the, I was looking at Laura Kunzberg's show later on, I don't watch it live, I can't bear it, um, but I sort of feel like I should. But she was asking a question, I think, of Nadim Zahawi, uh, about racism in football and saying, you know, well, what, for example, would happen if somebody, um, after one of the England players missed a penalty, sent them some bananas in the post? I'm going, well, one, why would you even come up with that? And two, as he quite rightly said, well, then they would be charged with some kind of racist act because there is a law in place for, that would protect people from racism. You know, so you don't need more laws in place or more definitions of what's harmful even though it might be legal it doesn't make any sense does it absolutely might and i think the thing is this is also true of the police the policing bill mm. uh, that we see that we have the right to congregate we know how frustrated and furious many rightly are by people who are actually breaking the law you know mm. they're disrupting so, but there are laws there to deal with them but the idea that then we then impose more laws because actually some people might not want to actually deal with them, mm. have a commitment to deal with them with the laws we've got already is the problem. You see, so you get more and more regulation, the rest of us become more and more stifled, but we don't address the actual issue. And that's the point. And I think we have to say that there's a certain amount of resilience and robustness that we have to recognize within one another. Most people are very well intentioned. And even those that are not, that are disingenuous, we have to pay slightly a price for that. But the most important thing is the last three years has seen so many people, academics, scientists, journalists and others taken down for saying things, asking questions. And some of them may well have been slightly bonkers. Many of them were not and yeah. very erudite. But the point is, when you start saying you're not allowed to say mm. that, this isn't possible for people to hear. We then have lost 
the ability to speak freely. And we've got to uphold that in Britain. We can shine a light, like we did with the vaccine mandate and challenging that. We can shine a light around the world and say, you know, this is a really important thing that um, we don't need big tech and government regulating how we speak. We, we have to be able to speak openly uh, with everyone yeah. together, with fellow citizens. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we were talking this morning about the whole uh, diesel debacle, you know, that we were told by Gordon Brown and Ned Miliband that diesel was the cleaner fuel and that we should all buy diesel cars. And I asked John Rensselaer, I said, who was it that gave us that advice? He said, oh, I think it was the scientists. And you go, well, there you are then. Look at them, they're not saying that now. Same with COVID, you know, science, follow the science. We well, follow the science and then suddenly they go, oh, actually, we, we got that wrong. But you were telling them they had it wrong at the time, but you got arrested, I'm afraid, uh, and locked up for it, you know. Well, absolutely. And the other thing <coughs> we're seeing as well, what I'm very nervous about, <coughs> excuse me, is... It's making you cough, uh, you're so nervous. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> is the idea... <coughs> excuse me. Is the idea that we actually lock down cities for um, uh, the environment. So yeah, what's, got... this, what's this that's going on in Oxfordshire? This uh, uh, Oxfordshire sort of climate lockdown thing. Indeed. So 15-minute cities, uh, the idea that we... It's a C40, it's called 15-minute cities. And in Oxfordshire, they're going to proposing that implement a plan to have people only allowed to go outside certain zones for 15 minutes and then there'll be fines and bans and impositions. So it's like this regulatory control. It's not a discussion about how to transform infrastructure or to improve things uh, using, you know, it's all about nudge, regulate, impositions. Yeah. And this is not just in Oxfordshire. There's plans to do all sorts of things around Brent Cross and Leeds and across the country. It's why Sadiq Khan so excited about his ULEZ, yeah. even though so many people challenged it and said they didn't want it, uh, like with actually low traffic neighbourhoods. And what's happening is, bit by bit, we're having these ideas that the technocrats that know best can impose their things on us and to us with this um, alleged idea of, of a story of what's going to happen. Yeah. And I think the thing is, you need to interrogate the story. But that's why together also we're saying, we need to take back democracy now. We need to say the public needs to get engaged, your viewers and listeners. We need to be able to hold our elected representatives to account. We need to put pressure on them and say this isn't acceptable. This is not what we've signed up for. Um, we didn't agree to sort of jettisoning our freedoms, to have a war on cars, yeah. to say that wealth creation is a problem, that we all have to have limits imposed on us. Where, where was this evidence? We're not accepting it. We need to take back democracy together. Right, absolutely right. Well, listen, uh, great to talk to you, Alan. Thanks very much indeed for pointing all of that stuff out to us. Alan Miller, co-founder of the Together Declaration. We'll be keeping an eye, of course, on that whole reading of the online safety bill coming up later on this afternoon in Parliament. I'm sure you'll hear about it on Ian Collins' show. Uh, Vanessa Feltz, of course, from 4. Jeremy Carl from 7. Uh, he's going to be coming up very shortly to tell us what he's doing. Uh, he's got Mark Saggers in for a start, uh, amongst much, much else besides. I'm on the talk at 9 o'clock after Piers Morgan from 8. So it's all going on. Uh, this is, of course, the independent Republican Mike Graham. Nick says this. I got burgled in the memory still haunts me. He came into my bedroom and stole my mobile phone while I was sleeping. Luckily, the coppers got him and he pleaded guilty. My kids were staying with me at the time. It was very scary. Absolutely right. Well, it is. I think anyone who suffered from burglary is automatically uh, feeling violated, even if you were actually not there. But if you are there, it must be even worse. Absolutely unbelievable. Terry in Ramsbottom says this quite rightly. Who decides what is harmful speech? Good question. You certainly don't want the folks at Twitter doing it or Facebook or indeed in the government, do you? This is Talk TV.
Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.